The GameCube is Cool podcast is a recorded and produced show from Toronto, Canada. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the GameCube was cool to find our $1 and $5 a month tiers. Special thank you to our Patreon supporters at the $5 level. I Rebel, Dean Donian, Jed Winters, Joey Sirico, Resident Evil Collector on Instagram, Tristan Pantorado, Wilshire, White Wind Wolf L, Link, Marty Thompson, Double Ugly, Bendito Benito, Alex Olson, and Pixelav. The GameCube, GameCube was cool. Hosted by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. So anyways, Mike, I just realized the other day that uh, I always see, like, homeless people with, like, a lot of pop cans or beer cans in their carts, but never, like, a few. I never see them just getting started. Never a medium amount of cans, Neil, but we are live! We are live today. Oh, Oh, Mike, yeah, thank you so much for joining me today, of course, as we do every week. And uh, we didn't get a chance to talk about it last week, but some big news in music for you and I. Uh, We've been waiting to see My Chemical Romance live for a long time. It's been, like, 12 years since their last album. They put out a new single uh, just the other day, The the Foundations of Decay, and I, I got to talk to you about it. What do you think about that song? It's a great song, Neil. I was mm-hmm. uh, I listened to it a couple days ago. Uh, if listeners can't tell, I am sick, uh, and mm. I, you know, I'm a little stuffed up, a little congested, feeling all right, though, and uh, when I'm sick, I often, that's when I, that's, I feel when I go through new music, because oh, okay. most of the time when I'm listening to music, I'm working, so it's usually music that I just have on the background, it'll be like albums that I like, sometimes mm. I'll discover some new stuff, but uh, when it just singles out, I tend to forget about it and never listen to it, so <laughs> because I'm sick, I uh, got to actually listen to this this wonderful sing- single, and uh, yeah, it was really good. It did not disappoint. No, like, it's a very polarizing song in that, like, My Chemical Romance, they are known for making very, like, anthem songs, like they've got I'm Not Okay and Welcome to the Black Parade, but they're also really good at making, like, kind of dramatic, very, very musically diverse songs. Like, I, I consider this song to be more akin to, like, their very first album. Prog I brought emo. you my bullets. Yeah, prog emo, exactly. It's not like the Black Parade. <laughs> it's not like the vocals are kind of hard to understand, but it's still... It's better than anything off of their last album by a mile. Oh, in my sure. Opinion. Yeah, yeah, no, it's and it's six minutes. A six minute I know. single meal. That's a lot. I saw that and I was like, okay, this can go either way. But it's it's kind of like a stairway to heaven kind of thing where it's got a heavy part, it's got a light part, it's got like vocals, it's got guitar solos. Like it's all together, like it's a really good song. So when they got back together two or three years ago to tour, I was a little concerned, like, okay, where's this going to go? Are they going to put out new music? And now that they have, like, I can feel like I can rest now. Like, if this is what the rest of the album is going to sound like, I'll be set. I'm I'm more than pumped now to uh, to hear what else they uh, they put out. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping we we get a new album from them pretty soon because uh, yeah, that's that was that was definitely our middle school, early high school like oh yeah life was listening to them. Oh my god, yeah, dude, I listen to so much My Chemical Romance. Early high school, I listen to them now. Like, I t- <laughs> Oh yeah, I know, well, fair, yeah, I still I still listen to them. That's a, that's an album I put on all the time when I'm working, is uh, Black Parade. Black Parade is a classic album. That was like, for us, I think, grade 8, that album came out. But we listened to it all the way through high school. It's definitely, could be a top 10 album for me. I don't know, I don't want to make that list right now. But uh, welcome back, My Chemical Romance. Hopefully you guys play in Toronto at some point, and... Uh, a pandemic doesn't get in the way of that show. We'll have to find out. But Neil, I was uh, I was diving into again while I'm sick, you know, finding things to do, diving mm. into uh, some old TV shows, and I stumbled upon a show called Watching Ellie. You ever heard of this? Nope. Is this a live action show? Is it a cartoon? It is a live action show, and okay. it stars Julia Louis Dreyfus. 
uh, of course, uh, Elaine on Seinfeld. And all the Seinfeld actors, other than Jerry Seinfeld, they went on to star in their own uh, shows, uh, sitcoms specifically. So there was the Michael Richards show. Mm -hmm. There was Bob Patterson, I think, is the one that uh, Jason Alexander was in. Uh, And both of those you know, didn't even make it past the first season or it, right. like, through the first season. They got canceled <laughs> in the middle. They waited a couple of years to do Julia's uh, show, which was watching Ellie. She made it with her husband. I think that was like three years after the Seinfeld finale. So relatively like a long time um, yeah. after a show finishes. And she plays somewhat like an Elaine character, but I stumbled into it. And it's very weird, but it's actually kind of good. Uh, at least the first season is. Is it a comedy or is it a serious show? It sounds like a, like a serious show. So it's a sitcom, it, technically, okay. um, but it's single camera. Uh, so mm. kind of like think The Office style. And okay. the whole idea of it was supposed to be, it was originally supposed to be called 22 Minutes, I think. Not This Hour Has 22 Minutes. That's <laughs> <laughs> a great show. Uh, and the, the idea was that it was literally going to be a show about nothing. We watched 22 minutes of Ellie's life every episode. <laughs> Okay. And uh, this didn't. This worked, but also didn't. Uh, and they they changed it for the second season, which isn't as good. But it's kind of cool because the first season, uh, in these twenty two minutes, we have a lot of a lot of big names on here. Well, big names in our world. Uh, Steve Carell is actually oh. on here, and he plays her ex boyfriend. And this is 2002, I think, 2000. Like, so this is like basically Steve Carell in Outlaw Golf era. Yes. <laughs> He's just getting a start now. He's still a few years off even from uh, from 40-Year-Old Virgin, which is when mm-hmm. he gets his his huge uh, his huge break. Yeah, I'm looking at the cast right now here. Like you've got you've got Jane Lynch, you've got Peter Stormare, who's like he's Slippery Pete in, in Seinfeld. <laughs> yes. and, and he's, he's in the Until Dawn. He's the the uh, how, what like you the call psychologist. The yeah, psychologist. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a great role for him. Yeah, he's so good. He's also in Armageddon. I love that guy. Yeah, that's an amazing cast. Wow. Yeah, and it's really interesting. The one thing that sucks about it in the first season is that they added a. A, like a stopwatch to the bottom left-hand corner. Uh, like to like watch. it's 24? <laughs> yep. Like basically like w- as the, the time is going down, you basically see how much time you have left on this episode. And it's so bad because that's all you can think about. And yeah. that that was a terror. That was the, the network for sure who put that in. But uh, that's a that's a weird idea. Yeah. The the show is definitely worth checking out, especially that first season. The second season, they made much more sitcom-y uh, and like, like not single camera anymore, basically like Seinfeld. Okay. Uh, and it's, does, it's not as good, I don't think. But uh, Ken Kwapis actually is the director on most of it. And you might recognize his name. He directed a lot of The Office episodes, especially in the okay. early seasons. But he also did a bunch of bad romantic comedies like uh, License to Wed, if you remember that movie. Oh, yeah. That's not an Adam <laughs> Sandler movie, is it? That, that's, no, that's, that's, movie. that's with John Krasinski, actually. Uh, and Robin Williams. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay, I can picture the po- the poster now. It's just Robin Williams on the front. John Krasinski's in that movie? Yeah, him and Mandy Moore are the couple that oh. that um, that Robin Williams is, I, I guess, like helping out. And because he's like uh, the priest who's unorthodox right. and he's mm. interesting. Uh, and it's like, <laughs> it's, it's a bad movie. But uh, Robin Williams has some really funny, funny lines in it. But yeah, no, I just wanted to uh, talk about watching Ellie. 
Very nice. I need to check out more of Julia Louis-Dreyfus's uh, work because like, I've heard Veep is really good. I'd like to check that out at some point. She's an amazing actress and I oh, still yeah. pretty much only know her from Seinfeld and the little bit that she did on Curb and she voiced up character in A Bug's Life, which is my favorite Pixar film. We're going to be talking about that later on this summer. But uh, yeah, need to check out more of, more of her sitcoms for sure. Never heard of the show before, so thank you so much for uh, pointing me towards it. Of course. Yeah, that's that's what I do, Neil. And, and you mentioned Armageddon. Yes. But uh, I'd like to take you back to Carmageddon. Now, of course, okay. we, we've talked a couple of times about Carmageddon on this on this show. And the devs who made Carmageddon, they actually made another game called JFK Reloaded, <laughs> which was not on the GameCube. It's on PC. And uh, a friend of mine, this was a long time ago. I've had this in show notes for a while. And so I'm glad I finally get to bring this up. A friend of mine asked me if I had heard of this. And I was like, no, I've not heard of JFK Reloaded. Like, what is this? And basically what it is, it's a recreation of Mm -hmm. JFK's assassination uh, from 1963. And you're basically like trying to assassinate him. And it's like Mm -hmm. obviously super controversial uh, (laughs) for a number of reasons. Uh, But yeah, Mm -hmm. I just wanted to say that this game exists. Yeah, this is a very interesting game. I had never heard about it until you had it in the show notes for today, and I had to check out some gameplay of it on YouTube, and I can't believe it. It's basically just a loop of the JFK assassination. I don't know if there are any other levels. Like, it's just the one the one street corner, I think, that that you're you're a sniper, you're in some kind of an apartment building, and the cars roll up, and, you know, the, the Secret Service is all there, and, and you have your sniper rifle, and your job is to just take as many shots as you can to try and wipe out JFK like like in like 1963 for me where where it gets really controversial i mean the co- the concept of the game alone is controversial but it's the the news report and the scoring card after you you're done yes, the level is yes. that you get basically a rating on where the first bullet went where the second shot went the third shot and so on and like it's in- incredibly detailed about like where the bullet entered the victim where it exited the victim like i was like oh my god like it kept going on like how it was ranking you in terms of like your your shooting and it's and it's actually also very graphic too even though it is a it is like a basic PC game. It's not like a new 4K game or anything like that. But like you see people's heads getting blown to bits and stuff like it, it and like their like brains hanging out of their skull. Like it's it's probably what is it an early 2000s game? Yeah, it's 2004. It's it's uh, could it be okay. on GameCube? <laughs> could it could be it be? on GameCube? <laughs> Man, that would be such an interesting concept for a game where, like, you just play as assassins over the years. Not Assassin's Creed. I mean, like, actual situations where there were real-life assassinations. Like, Lincoln and, and Kennedy and, like, Franz Ferdinand and just all of the famous assassinations over the year. That would be such a weird choice of a video game. Yeah, it's pretty messed up, uh, to be fair. Yeah, uh, mm. d- Denounced by public figures, including Ted Kennedy, of course, sure. uh, uh, John Kennedy's brother. But uh, yeah, I just wanted to bring that to light. And there is a great Vice article about uh, the story of it and how it got made and how it got super controversial. And basically, one of the reasons they did it was to try to disprove and, and prove uh, certain conspiracy theories about JFK's mm. assassination. So just an interesting topic, Neil. Very interesting. I I can see why the game got shut down and never got ported to GameCube. I have a hunch that we're never gonna, never gonna see it on Switch, and you'll probably never see it on our 100 best Nintendo games of all times list, which we mm. are making for our 100th episode coming up in just a few weeks. And listeners, if you're listening to this podcast, you too can submit a list of your favorite Nintendo developed or published games. We're looking for 30 games from each person. Send us your list on Instagram, Discord, Twitter. Uh, if you want to. I guess DM us on whatever social media platform you listen to us on. Are you 
you follow us on. That would be terrific. And I'm compiling a list, so please uh, send us your games by end of day Friday, May 27th. That should give me enough time to... Uh, to uh, add up all the games and everything like that. So if you're listening to this on Thursday, you have 24 hours to, to send me your list, please. And we will read the list on our 100th episode. I'm excited to see what our, our listeners think is the best 100 Nintendo games of all time, Mike. Curious what number one's going to be. I have a couple couple of feelings, you know, a couple ideas what number one could be. Uh, but uh, I'm very curious myself. You have not seen the list at all, right? It's all just on my computer? Or I can't remember just, if I... Just sh- for you, yeah. No, no. I think you might have shared it, but I don't want to see it. I want to be completely blind. This episode of the GameCube is Cool podcast is sponsored by Manscaped.com. Ladies and gentlemen, Father's Day is just around the corner, and our friends at Manscaped are here to ensure all the father figures out there are looking daddy material this June. Manscaped's Performance Package 4.0, which includes their signature Lawnmower 4.0, is the perfect bundle to tackle any and all old man hair from head to toe. This here is no dad joke. Treat him and yourself and join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code GAMECUBE at manscaped.com. Trust me, his dad bod will thank you. I personally don't have any idea if the Performance Package 4.0 is the perfect Father's Day gift for my dad, but I know that when I am on the other side of Father's Day celebrations, I can sleep well knowing that the fine folks at manscaped.com have me and my balls covered. Manscaped is designed with fathers in mind and the Performance 4.0 is here just in time for your pop's special day. Inside this package, he'll find their lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, weed whacker, ear and nose hair trimmer, crop preserver ball deodorant, crop reviver toner, and a travel bag to hold his goodies. But wait, there's more. Manscaped just launched their brand new Boxers 2.0 that are, I dare say, the best boxers ever? We all know dads love their comfort. With summer just around the corner, the Boxers 2.0 are here to save every father from the uncomfortable heat. These new boxers are packed with evolutionary features, including the jewel pouch, designed to cradle his boys in their own special place. This right here is a game changer. Whether he's mowing the lawn, taking out the trash, or golfing in the sun, these moisture-wicking boxers breathe without breaking a sweat. Dads, buy this for yourself. Sons, buy this for your dad. Ladies, buy this for your man. And dog daddies, you deserve this too. And ladies too. I think these boxers are pretty comfortable for anyone. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code GAMECUBE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code G-A-M-E-C-U-B-E. Shake what your mama gave you. Nah, shake what your daddy gave you. And now, back to the podcast. Yeah, I wanted you to put your list on it, but you just you just you DM'd me your list, and I was like, all right, I guess I'll do, <laughs> I guess I'll do this myself. But uh, I don't think any of the games we're talking about today, Mike, are going to be on that list because they are not developed or published by Nintendo. But let's talk about them anyways, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode ninety-eight of the GameCube is Cool podcast. New episode every Thursday on all the major podcast services. We are the number one GameCube podcast on the internet. We're here to look back on all 555 North American GameCube games, one by one, sometimes 12 by 12. So far, we have covered 439 games. You can visit thegamecubewascool.com to check out all the things we've been working on. The website was developed by our very own Mike Lane. And Rayman. And uh, Ray, everybody loves Rayman. <laughs> he doesn't have limbs, but he he, he, he has fingers. Helps. He has hands. He fingers. He, he's got hands. Yeah. <laughs> Last week we talked about Donkey Konga, DDR Mario Mix, and a few other rhythm and music games on the GameCube. If you haven't already, go back and check it out. 
This week, we are talking about a few other 3D platformers on the GameCube. We're talking about Rayman, iNinja, and Scalar, just a couple other platformers on the console, other than Mario and uh, and Sonic, I guess, if you will. Uh, this is kind of like the final roundup of the generic platformers on the GameCube. We've talked about a bunch of other 3D platformers in the past. We still have a few other uh, 3D games to talk about, but those are mostly movie tie-ins, cartoon tie-ins. Of course, stay tuned for our Pixar and SpongeBob episodes later this mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is uh, this is the death of platformers, Neil. We're, we're killing platformers. This is it. <laughs> <laughs> this is it. This is it for this podcast. But like I said, we do have quite a few more to talk about. But I'm excited to talk to you a little bit more about the the era of like the 3D mascot platformer ending where like, you know, the the Gexes and the Banjo-Kazooies and the Sonic is still around, but uh, those, those types of characters that were trying to be the new Mario, but came very close in the case of something like Rayman and just completely missed out in the cases of something like a Scalar. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, this was the time for this for sure. You know, Rayman still kind of exists today. We'll, we'll talk about that a mm-hmm. bit later when we, we talk about uh, the no-limbed man himself. But yeah, we've, we've talked about a ton of platformers already. Like you said, we've talked about Ty, Vex, uh, Ka- mm. uh, KO, KO. Uh, Rayman, yeah. Frogger, Tack, a Super Monkey Ball even, if you want to count that. And of course, Mario and Sonic, like you said, you know, I, I was actually looking through the list of all the games that we have, and we've uh, talked about over 60 games where platforming is the main genre on the GameCube. Isn't that crazy? That is. It is. And still, like, when you hear people talk about 3D platformers, you always only hear about Mario Sunshine on the GameCube. There's very few others that really stood out. Some people will, will mention, like, Billy Hatcher or mm-hmm. some of the Sonic games, too, but you know, we've, like you said, we've talked about 60 games and we probably have a few dozen more when you get right down to it, when it's all, when it's all said and done. And it is hard for these games to, to have stood out back in the day. Like they are very similar. Like just looking at these games today, like researching these games for today, like I was like, okay, this is, you know, this is an element from Ratchet and Clank that did it better. This is something from, this is something from Spyro, which did it better. And it, it they just all took elements from other 3D platforming games and tried to make something new. And I, I have to take my hat off for a couple of these developers because they did do a really good job. It's just since that they weren't tied to an already existing IP and we're looking now at the early to mid 2000s, people are starting to move on to other types of games. Online gaming is starting to to blow up. Call of Duty is starting to blow up and the platformer is just starting to get left behind and become something of a relic of the 90s, which has seen a resurgence in the last few years with the the trilogy collections with Crash Bandicoot and Spyro mm-hmm. and even Medieval and we're getting KO the Kangaroo. I think that might even be out now. So we're seeing a bit of a resurgence here of these of these franchises. But so far, we haven't heard uh, from Rayman or iNinja or Scalar uh, to be coming out anytime soon. But after looking at them today, I would like some of them to try. I think it would be really neat. I think so, too. And, you know, you mentioned how the 3D platformer, this was basically the last stand for them. And you're absolutely right. 2004. Right after 2004 on the GameCube, we only see five games that weren't movie tie-in platforms. Mm. Uh, and that I thought was really interesting because uh, developers definitely tried to go this adventure route. That was definitely mm-hmm. the next phase. It's like, okay, because these new games are coming out, because people want more adventure, they want you know a differentiation in gameplay, let's give them something new. And you know that worked for a couple, but most of the time the adventure was not the way to go. And now we see... Yeah, some franchises come back in some ways with the trilogies, or or have um, have new ones like like Crash Four does exist, which is pretty cool. But I think that the, there's three main reasons we don't really don't see 3D platformers as much anymore, Neil, and that's okay. oversaturation. 
Mm-hmm. You know, we had so many all at once and people got tired of it. Right. Uh, limited growth in gameplay. Like you said, uh, there's a bunch of elements that are just borrowed from from, mm. from these other games like Ratchet. And, uh, and you know, there, you can really only go so far with the gameplay of a platformer until it right. doesn't become a platformer anymore. That's just the reality of it. That's why Insomniac and Naughty Dog both left Crash and Spyro because they, in their minds, and I think correctly, they had done everything that they could do with those characters. And then three is the money and the industry. You know, at the end of the day, like you said, Call of Duty was coming, GTA. Uh, these 3D platformers were not going to sell consoles the way they did in the, the mid-late 90s. And so that's kind of one of the reasons why they went away as well. Yeah, it went away or just became a bit more of a niche genre. Like the, it, was, it was like the reason to buy a console. Well, lots of people bought N64s to play Banjo mm-hmm. and Mario and Donkey Kong 64. But you're right. Like it was oversaturation. And nowadays you see them come out as more like indie games or like a budget game. Like even the Ratchet and Clank uh, games on PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5. I don't think those were full-priced games. The one on PS4 definitely wasn't. I'm not sure about the new one. And like you said, like there's very little that you can do. I argue that Ratchet and Clank have kind of reinvented the 3D platformer a little bit. Uh, they are quite a bit more, quite a bit higher quality than what we've seen from from this generation. So they are trying new things with, you know, anti-gravity and different weapons. But it is just iterations on old things, I, I suppose. But um, like those games are still really fun for kids that are just getting into yeah. video games or people like you and I who are just looking for something something fun to play. Like a video game doesn't always need to be a completely new reinvention of the wheel every single time. It's nice to go back to play KO the Kangaroo every so often. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think that they still have a place for sure. I would love to see like a really good 3D platformer come out every year. And luckily in the past, I would say five or six years, we've seen that uh, for the most part, they're all remakes and, and remasters, which is okay. Like for some of these games, it's been 25 to 30 years which is scary to think about since they've come out so it's it's nice to see a fresh coat of paint on them i'm still waiting patiently for my banjo kazooie remaster but uh nevertheless we all are neil we all are and yeah some of those games too like banjo i think you know this might ruffle some feathers but i think people might have nostalgia glasses on that because if you played banjo exactly the same today it's Mm. uh it is quite different and uh I personally, I don't find it as fun as when I played it as a kid. Uh, the collectathon and everything with that, and the graphics of it too, and the controls are are kind of wonky compared to today's like games. Uh, yeah. It was it was almost a little sad to go back to it. Obviously, they're they're still great games, but it would be really nice to see an actual remaster where they just tune everything up, like like the Crash games, like the Spyro games. Just give me that. Yeah, I feel the same way about N64 games in general. I think we've talked about this before on the but show. But you love Just going, the N64, Neil. I do love the <laughs> N64, and I do have like nostalgia goggles for it, and there are a few games that I think do hold up, but the 3D platformers are tough to go back and say that they are as good as you remember them to be, yeah. and I think you're totally right. A Banjo game that works with... With new new controls, new graphics is is long overdue at this point. I mean, it it, it still works to go back to the Kazooie game, but yeah, uh, there's a lot of issues to, to that could be fixed with Banjo Kazooie. Not going to get into it right now, but let's get into a franchise that we will be talking about today, which is let's start with Rayman. Now we're going to be talking about two Rayman games today, but before we do, let's talk a little bit about the the franchise Rayman as a whole. Uh, Rayman was created by the video game designer Michelle Ansel for Ubisoft. Uh, the, the franchise is most well known for being a 2D and 3D platformer. Uh, the main character, Rayman, is very well known for his helicopter attack. And like Mike said, he's got a, a stunning lack of limbs. He actually only has <laughs> hands and feet, which float around him. 
he still has arms and legs, but they're just invisible, I suppose. The first Rayman game was released in 1995. The most recent one, actually, believe it or not, Mike, was Rayman Mini in 2021 for the iOS. I have no experience with that one. My main Rayman experience is with the Rayman Origins and Rayman Legends on the Wii U. But what about you? Do you have any uh, any history with the Rayman series? No, basically the same with you. Like, I just played it much later in life. I played Rayman Legends, and I think I played Origins as well. I really, really enjoyed Legends. I thought that was a fantastic game. And I think that's yeah. kind of, you know, where uh, people should start to with Rayman, especially nowadays, just because it's it's really nicely fleshed out. There's a lot of love put into it. And yeah, I remember Rayman as a kid. I remember him just having you know not no limbs i just remember the hands and the feet <laughs> and i thought that was really cool but um i didn't really know much about him or care about him and i was thinking about this and i was talking to a friend of the show zaffer about rayman he he's a big rayman fan and one thing he said to me which definitely uh i, I agree with was the fact that rayman wasn't in smash so we didn't really care about him no, exactly. I think he would have had a way different trajectory in terms of like where he is today if he had appeared on maybe in Melee or in Brawl. Yeah. Uh, he, he does appear in Smash Bros. as a trophy. He's also a spirit. Uh, and he's also in the, uh, f- the free-to-play arcade fighter called Brawlhalla as a playable character. I think that game combines a lot of indie characters as well. Rayman appears there. So he is in a fighter of some kind. But yeah, if he was injected into Smash Bros., I think that that would definitely give the character a lot more life and uh, introduce a lot more players to the games. Because from what I could tell, I don't think these Rayman games have ever sold particularly well. Even Origins and Legends, which are considered, in my book, some of the best 2D platformers of all time. Especially Legends, which incorporated music and rhythm into some of the levels too, which was so cool. Uh, but yeah, like the games we're talking about today, they all struggled to sell a million copies and even the ones on Wii U and PS3 and Xbox 360, all around a million copies sold. Like it's really, it's too bad, but just as much as 3D platformers sort of sunk into obscurity, so too did 2D platformers and selling a 2D platformer as a full priced, gosh, what, $79.99 game in twenty in the 2020s is tough, tough sell for a lot of people nowadays that, you know, you need to have online an online component, there needs to be a battle royale, there needs to be a, a story with an emotional uh, emotional attachment to characters, and mm-hmm. someone needs to die. This, These are just not those those types of games. No, yeah, and there are five mainline Rayman games. So, of course, mm-hmm. there's Rayman, the original 2D platformer uh, on the Atari Jaguar, actually, is where it came out first in 1995, yeah. which I thought was, was pretty <laughs> funny. There was, of course, a PC version that came out later uh, titled Rayman Gold, and uh, it has been remade as well. The, the the Rayman Gold one is actually really interesting because it had different levels, had a couple of different levels, uh, and it also had a level creator called Rayman Designer, which I thought was pretty uh, pretty cool for a first entry into a game. Wow. So you could create like Rayman levels like Mario Maker? Yeah, that's that's kind of what I got from it. So it was an early mm-hmm. Mario Maker, which was uh, wow. kind of cool. We, we then had Rayman 2, The Great Escape, which is considered a fantastic uh, game. It's the first 3D Rayman game came out in 99 for the N64, of course, and mm-hmm. a couple other platforms. And uh, Rayman 3, Hoodlum Havoc, which we were talking about today in 03, uh, re-released in 2012 and uh, as Rayman 3 HD. Uh, and then we have Rayman Origins uh, in 2011. That's the, the first original 2D Rayman game since the first Rayman. So, yep. And then the last game, mainline game in the Rayman series, Rayman Legends in 2013, which was also a really, really good game. Uh, and an updated version was released for the Switch in 2017, the Rayman Legends Deluxe, which uh, I think that's where I played it. And that is a really fun game. 
Yeah, I played it on Wii U, and that was my first introduction to Rayman. I had heard of the character, and I had seen the games on blockbuster shelves and whatnot, but never played them. But mm-hmm. when I got my Wii U and I bought Mario Kart 8 and uh, and Super Smash Bros., I was looking for other things to play, and Rayman Legends was showing up on every list, like everyone's top 10, like you got to play Legends, you got to play Legends. And I was like, okay. So eventually I picked it up uh, for very cheap too, like 15 bucks, 20 bucks or something, and absolutely adored it like those 2d those 2d rayman games are are terrific there's also several spin-off games uh, i believe 16 spin-off games in total most of those games are on mobile so we don't count those games of course that's where he lives now (laughs) (laughs) it's pretty much yeah unfortunately that's where rayman resides but we also have the raving rabid series which uh those are technically rayman spin-off games there's so many of those on on the wii and now we have the uh, Mario Kingdom Battles, which is like a spinoff of a spinoff uh, game, but those are all technically <laughs> Rayman spinoff games as well. All in all, the series has appeared on 29 consoles from, like Mike, you said, the Atari Jaguar all the way to the N-Gage as well. Rayman has has been there, which is really good to hear. And uh, yeah, it's all in all, great series. I'm excited to talk about some of the, the GameCube games today. I had to check out the top 20 highest rated Rayman games on uh, Metacritic, and one of the games we're talking about today, Rayman Arena, is the 11th highest rated Rayman game of all time. So pretty good considering the series has, I mean, it's right halfway there, I suppose. Rayman 3 did not rank, unfortunately, but obviously the two highest games on that list were Origins and Legends. And it, the, the series also had a short-run TV series in 1999, uh, four episodes long. I have no history with that show at all. <laughs> yeah, I know. I saw that when researching, and I, I watched a couple of like clips from it. I was like, okay, yeah, this is <laughs> this is exactly what I thought it would be. It, it would be cool. I could see Rayman as a as a cool character in a, in a in a TV series, but uh, we'll probably never get that. And I did want to say that that I really can't think of a series uh, like Rayman where none of these games are bad. Like, there's no bad games in the Rayman pantheon. Like, they they managed to make basically only good games and you know we think of the Spyro and Crash and how we had these two trilogies and then we got not very good games after that because we they fell into a lull we didn't really get this with the Rayman we just got no more games you know between right. 2003 and 2011 they just skipped the, the 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 point where people usually go to make bad games and we're like you know what right. no we're good let's we're just not going to make games well, the game's creator, Michelle Ansel, also left after Rayman 2. I believe yes. uh, Hoodlum had, or around Arena and 2, he left not long after that. So that didn't help either once he left the team. Uh, but I find it interesting that they went from 2D being the mainline games to 3D and then back to 2D again. You don't see that too often where a series will shift from basically take a step back, but also taking a step forward and that those games are incredibly diverse in their gameplay mechanics and they look beautiful too so i would honestly love it if nintendo did that with more of their franchises like i would love a really good 2d mario again but anyway that's a whole other topic mike let's talk about rayman arena shall we yeah let's do it rayman arena or rayman m was released on september 24th 2002 developed and published by ubisoft this game is also on windows xbox and ps2 Rates a 6 out of 10, priced today at around $30. This is like a party, brawler, slash racing game, and it's the very first Rayman multiplayer game. Uh, And it's also the first Rayman game in general on the GameCube after we had Rayman 2 on the N64. That's right, yeah, and Rayman M, which is, it was called in the regions that aren't North America, uh, and I believe for the PS2 it was called that as well. M just stands for multiplayer, so... Right. The reason why they changed it, though, for North America is that we have a rating system, and M, for most places and most people, know that as being mature. 
So I guess they were they were concerned that uh, that parents would think, oh, it's a mature Rayman game, which there are none. Uh, but uh, they were scared that people would think that the game is for adults. So they had to change it to Rayman Arena, which still makes you think that it's a fighting game. It doesn't exactly spell out or scream that it's also a racing game, too. Because I always thought this was just a straight up Rayman brawling fighting game. I had no idea that there was racing in it until you have to dig a little deeper. Yeah, I didn't know that either. And that's a great point with the M. I I, I was going to ask you if you knew why they changed the name. Uh, yeah. so that's that's really funny because now all I'm picturing is Rayman M, True Crime Edition. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome if they actually did make a, an M-rated Rayman game. But we also had Rayman Rush, which uh, was released only on the yeah. PlayStation 1. And that uh, is just the racing uh, racing mode from, from the GameCube and the PlayStation 2 version. So th- this game had basically like three different games. We had Rayman M, Rayman Arena, and Rayman Rush, all to kind of just get across this one game, basically. But It's like, you can play multiplayer, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> they really had a tough time trying to get people to know that. Just Rayman Party? I don't know why that couldn't have been a thing, but I guess then they might have thought that, oh, no, it's not, it's not a Mario Party game. Like, it's not a board game, which is what most people thought of when they heard the word party back in 2002, especially. But this is one of the few instances that I can think of where there's a lot of differences between the GameCube version and the uh, the PlayStation 2 version. Okay, yeah, like 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 what? Yeah, so there's increased frame rate, there's new menus, there's new cutscenes in the game, there's difficulty levels uh, in the single player mode, you've got beginner, pro, and master, you've got modified level designs for some levels, there's mm. new playable characters to unlock and skins, there's a new game mode with time attack, there's a new race exhibition level, uh, and many, many more different changes. So the GameCube version is actually the ultimate way to play this game. Spoiler alert, Neil, all the games we're talking about today the GameCube version is the best way to play it, and it has the highest ratings. Yeah, because the GameCube was the best place to play uh, platforming games, for sure. And that, that 60 frames per second uh, is huge. It is, honestly. Like, that's a big, especially when you're looking at some of these these games that I know 3D platformers now we don't think as being graphical masterpieces or anything. But back in the day, like, this was a lot... Uh, this was a lot to render. Like 3D platformers mm-hmm. were really coming into their own in terms of graphics. Like, you know, again, look at some of the old ones on the N64. They they weren't. They don't look good. Like they just look poly- polygonal. Right. Where the GameCube ones look like they took a massive step forward. And all mm-hmm. the games today we're going to be talking about have decent. You know, not if not decent graphics, like um, beautiful environments, and and mm-hmm. uh, they really stand out on their own because of that. Yeah, and stand out is a good good way of putting it because this is technically they were trying to be a kart racer but they didn't want to straight up be a kart racer because they wanted to give they wanted to give players the ability to race with the characters which is what everyone was doing at the time but they didn't just make a straight up generic kart racer which we've talked about a lot of those already on this podcast it feels like this is more of like an on foot race where you can also sort of like attack each other and it's a bit more of like it's a bit more of like an obstacle course racing game more than like a kart racing game across dynamic courses from around the rayman worlds this is probably what Sonic should have been for like racing because yes. I'd always, I know you always bring this up, but it is always so weird that like that you see Sonic in a cart and you're like, but, right. but, but he's, he's faster than the cart, right? <laughs> exactly. That was always my thing. It's like, why are they racing in cars? I don't know why they couldn't <laughs> be on foot, but we got that with Rayman. So I guess Sonic didn't want to look like they were copying Rayman at that point. It is a cool idea. And I can't think of any other game that does this. 
Um, it's a bit like Temple Run, actually. That's what I thought about when I was watching this. First thing I thought of, too, as well. And, yeah, because like, there are – it's not just you're going around laps. Like it's like Neil said, it's like obstacle courses. So mm-hmm. it, that made it way more intuitive because at first when I saw gameplay, I thought, oh, God, you're actually running like in, in this, this <laughs> lapped race. Like this looks awful. And then I, I saw that there is a lot more to it. It's just really what it is. It's a timed platformer. Like that's yeah. that's kind of what uh, what Rayman Arena is for the racing levels, at least. That's what I would actually love from a new 3D platforming game would be like a race to the finish of a level as a platformer. I think that would be a really neat yeah. concept to do, and it's something that like a th- a 3D platformer hasn't necessarily done to the extent of it being like a AAA release. Like if that was in, I guess Mario kind of did it with 3D Land. I suppose that that was kind of like that, or mm-hmm. even the four-player Mario Wii. Uh, but but it being a race where you know you're being timed or you're being rated on the things that you collect in the level on your way to the finish line, I think that that could be it could be chaotic and uh, and and crazy, I suppose. But it could also be a lot of fun. I'm also sort of thinking about the Mario Golf game that we got last year, where you have everyone golfing at the same time. It could be something like that. But you also have a couple of other game modes in this too, which is uh, Popolopoi, which is the time attack mode, I suppose, and Lums, which is basically you race real fast and you collect fireflies along the way. So that's sort of like your collect. 10 coins before you finish mode and you have training of course so you have four racing modes in this game but i'm sure most people are just going to play the the race you know the grand prix multiplayer race that uh, that we've already talked about yeah this i mean this game is definitely a game of the time right because now people would be looking at this game being like why is there a separate multiplayer game like just for multiplayer stuff like right would you not just put that into the you know mainline game as a mode it's like well you know <laughs> they couldn't really do that back then or it was quite rare and it was a lot of time so yeah uh ubisoft you know being smart at uh, this time and said oh, okay let's just make a multiplayer game for right. Rayman. and it feels like they actually went above and beyond like they didn't need to make it this good <laughs> necessarily <laughs> like they didn't need to do this much in it and i think it's good like i think it's a good game it just, it's it's hard to look at it in a 2022 lens, you know? Yeah, and I, I agree with what you're saying, that it is like this could have just been another mode if it was the just the racing mode. And I'm sure that they thought about that too, which is why they also included the battle mode, which is mm-hmm. your, your third-person arena mode where you fight against friends, you shoot each other with, with goofy weapons, over-the-top weapons and everything, and uh, you earn points by, by hitting each other, by shooting each other. Uh, and that's kind of like the... I guess that's more of the arena mode of the game, which is what what most people probably bought this game for. Not the racing, but more the uh, fighting each other in the arena, like we like, like a coliseum basically with with Rayman characters. And you have three modes: there's total fight, freeze combat, and exhibition. But even with these two modes, like I still think that if you were to release something like this in 2022, it would still be a huge head scratcher if this was the Rayman game that we got. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, it would be like what? <laughs> why? <laughs> why? But it, yeah, yeah, it's cool. Like that's the thing. It's it's hard to. I can't knock this game at all. I really like. The, it does have its issues for sure. But but it's not a bad game. It's just not really a Rayman game. I think that's my no. my biggest problem with it is that you could literally put any character here. It, it doesn't matter if it's Rayman. You could put Crash. You could put Spyro. Any platform character, and it just seems like a generic kind of party game in that sense. Yeah, yeah, you totally could have, but uh, I'm I'm glad that they put it out nonetheless. Rayman yeah. has a lot of uh, spin-off games, obviously, and uh, but we do have one mainline Rayman game that we can talk about now. So why don't we hit the back of the case for Rayman Arena, and we'll move on to Rayman Three. Sounds good. All right, but first, Victor, hit us with that sweet jingle. It's time to read what's on the back of the case. There's things written on the back of the case. Let's read them. And now we're reading the back of the case. 
Race to the finish. Battle to the end. Race and battle, two modes of gameplay, offer a variety of ways to defeat your opponent and reign supreme. Unleash new characters. Nine playable characters, including the cast of Rayman 2, plus all new characters. Multiplayer Madness. Compete with up to four players for intense multiplayer action. Immersive Worlds. 24 immersive battle arenas and racetracks filled with detailed environments and hidden areas. What's funny is on the back of the case it says one to four players simultaneous, but there's only two controller icons, which I'm pretty sure it shows four. If you, like, if it's supposed to be four player multiplayer, there's four GameCube controllers on the back of that case, not mm, two. True, yeah. I, I don't know because all the gameplay I watched was actually just two people uh, playing. So, yeah, I, I do not own this game, but Neil, I did play all three games we're talking about next. Uh, specifically, oh. I played a lot of this game rayman 3 because uh friend of the show jed lent me his copy thank you so much jed and jed would also know that rayman 3 hoodlum havoc was released on march 2nd 2003 this game was developed by ubisoft shanghai published by ubisoft is priced today at around 50 dollars it's also on, get ready for it, Game Boy Advance, <laughs> PS2, Xbox, Windows, N-Gage, PS3, Xbox 360, and mobile. It rates a 7.5 out of 10, and this is, of course, a 3D platformer. This game sold over just this game sold just over 1 million units, and uh, like I said earlier, most Rayman games, even the really good ones, struggled to pass that 1 million unit sold, so glad to know that this game did, because I think it's a pretty good game, but Mike, you played it, so tell us more about Rayman 3. Yeah, so Rayman 3, well, just first of all, uh, we talked earlier about uh, Michelle Ancel. Uh, he mm-hmm. kind of worked on this game. He did a little bit of concept uh, work and helped a little bit with the character designs. But for the most part, he wasn't involved in this game. And that kind of explains why the game itself isn't fantastic. It's still a good game, but uh, I mm-hmm. could see that him leaving uh, his influence left as well. Do you know what he was working on while they were making Rayman 3? Yes, I do, Neil. He went to go work on Beyond Good and Evil. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, so he was busy. Uh, he was definitely busy. He, he didn't sit on his laurels there. He made sure to go out and make another really good game. So I'm happy sure. that he did that because Rayman 3 is still pretty good. Uh, the first thing I noticed, though, is when you load up the game, it gives you language options. Uh, and it's got uh, it's got like underwear but with all the different flags on it for the different languages. Oh, yeah. And it's really funny because it's like uh, different (laughs) kinds of boxers, different kinds of briefs, depending on the country. So, like, for example, Spain's is basically like a Speedo. Right. uh, And uh, and, uh, the U.S., so, like, like, uh, English is, is like, big boxers. Yeah, so I thought that was really cool and just, like, a really neat little thing to put into the game. That's funny. I love that. that. That's really good. That that's such like that's just a weird detail. Again, does not need to be there, but really funny. I I love I, I like you know obviously we we can't always play the actual games because we don't own them all. Slash sometimes we can't actually emulate them. Uh, mm-hmm. but uh, this is a game that was uh, you know I love playing the games and actually putting them in the physical copy because you miss out on details like this if you don't. And right. uh, yeah, that was really cool. But um, yeah, the. Uh, I was going to talk about the plot. I honestly don't even know what the plot is. I have no idea what was going on. It was very confusing. It starts off really weird. You have to fly Rayman over all these enemies because basically in the plot, someone steals his hands uh, to start off the game because, you know, they're not attached to his arms. So I guess you can just take them. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, it's it's a really weird mode because I thought it was going to be just like a cutscene, And then I ended up just having to fly Rayman over 
all these enemies and it was like an on rails movement level and i i didn't really understand because it wasn't really a tutorial level either it was just right. like this level to introduce you to the game just wanted to point that out i thought that was just kind of weird but uh murphy i think who is the that's the i don't know a little what firefly looking guy yeah, yeah yeah a little firefly looking guy he's like your mm-hmm. tutorial guy who guide who helps you out uh, throughout the beginning of the game and i think he goes away or at least i don't remember seeing him until a while later or if ever mm-hmm. but um that is voiced by uh none other than billy west yeah, Billy Billy West. I uh, I recognized his voice right away. I was mm-hmm. like, that sounds like Fry from Futurama, and it is. It's Billy West. Uh, didn't he originally voice Rayman in one of the earlier games? Or am I going crazy now? I thought that he was another character at one point. I might be thinking of another franchise, but you no, could be right. Maybe, but Billy West. He uh, he's very famous for his work on Ren from Ren and Stimpy, Philip J. Fry from Futurama. He was also Bugs Bunny in Space Jam, and uh, I guess his biggest role of all time, Mike, is he's the voice of the Red Eminem. <laughs> that's that's the number one role i love that wait wasn't he wasn't he stimpy i thought he was ren all right mike well with the power of the internet let's look this up oh he's okay he's both all right well that's we're fine. both right we're, neil we're both that's the best that's the best <laughs> uh the best conclusion of that argument but yeah that that's a really cool voice actor to have i love that and believe it or not we're going to be talking about him uh with a game in just a little bit but I love I love having voice actors like this in in video games to have somebody that you can tie to other media like it's just so important like we've talked a lot about Tara Strong and Patrick Warburton feeling like that they're in just about everything. I don't think that we've talked about a game yet though where Billy West is in. So glad to have him on the podcast finally. Of course Billy West, uh great great voice actor. So that helped a lot and um kind of bring me into the game even more. Uh and yeah, like the gameplay itself is is fun and the 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 worlds are very you know very colorful for sure uh high saturation uh very wacky game for sure and i'd say rayman 3 if you have played rayman 2 before i'd say rayman 3 uh because rayman 2 was a little bit bit more serious it was trying to have this more a bit bit more of a serious tone a bit of a darker tone i'd say rayman 3 completely flips that it's just tons of jokes uh very wacky and the and fourth wall breaking too, yes. where they, they admit that they're in a video game and they talk about platforming tropes and everything. It feels like it's a rare game, like rare studios or like something British at the very least. Well, I was going to say, yeah, because uh, Murphy ends up reading the manual to Rayman right. to say like yeah. what we should be doing here. And I thought that was kind of funny. I was like, oh, you know, that's fourth wall breaking. I always think of the Simpsons game when I think of fourth wall breaking. Mm. Because that game was okay. really funny with um with fourth wall breaks. There was a comic book guy. He would every time you mm. would discover a, a video game cliche, he would come up and tell you that you've discovered like video game cliche number twenty three, like fake doors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, stuff like that is really good. They do it in the South Park games as well. Yes, it fits yeah. in in those games that are based on IP already. It's interesting that rayman would switch to doing that after not doing it this is yeah. seven years now into into rayman or eight years now into into the rayman universe and now they're switching over to doing this and they don't go back to it again either maybe no. they do in the spin-off games but they don't do it in origins or legends so yeah interesting that this is the only one that they do it in that's what i thought yeah i thought too it was it was it it fell flat sometimes like it was funny i laughed a couple times but it, it, it did fall flat uh, often mm-hmm. and Maybe an unpopular opinion, but I don't like Rayman having a voice. I always prefer oh. him much more like when he doesn't talk. Like I think okay. Rayman would have been cooler as a as a silent protagonist, kind of like Link. Sure. But okay. and have everyone else be the comic relief like around him. 
so this one he ends up talking a lot like compared to legends or two and i was like okay let's yeah let's i know what i'm doing it's fine and it's obviously a lot of repeated dialogue too when he's when he's doing stuff um but uh the controls really smooth excellent controls for even for present day i really had no problem getting to this game it's a relatively easy game so you can go through stuff pretty fast uh the gameplay i think is a bit improved from rayman 2 as well like just again things are simple uh i could pick this game up after not having played a rayman game in like six years and i could pick it up very very quickly so big props to that and yeah i think just overall it's a good game that improves on the you know the graphics and the gameplay of rayman 2 uh and the -hmm. controls but doesn't really add anything extra to the rayman uh, world if you know what i mean not a lot it does add some new weapons though yep. which is a neat thing to do which most platformers did that's kind of all that they could do was really <laughs> just give give the character different abilities by adding the vortex which allows rayman to fire mini tornadoes the heavy metal fist which increases rayman's strength and allows him to break through heavy doors the lockjaw which gives rayman extendable claw weapons that he can use to latch on to uh latch onto and electrocute enemies or swing across gaps which is the weapon that he has in the on the cover there's the throttle copter which provides rayman with a special helmet that allows him to fly vertically for a limited time and then there's the shock rocket which allows rayman to fire remote controlled missiles can we just talk about remote controlled missiles in video games and just mention how they are one of the coolest things that you can possibly put into a game oh they're great sentinel yeah. in uh nightfire yes. nightfire yeah like nightfire was the very first time i think i ever got to do anything like that and and then anytime it appeared again, I would instantly think like, oh, it's just like Nightfire. But being able to control a missile into the point where it explodes is just so cool and so satisfying. And it should definitely be incorporated into every 3D platformer when possible and any goofy first or third person shooter whenever possible. But uh, we did talk very lightly about the plot at the beginning. I just, I do just want to say that it was clever how the little characters that are being kidnapped, they're called lums. They're like the little kind yep. of firefly bug fairy things. Uh, it, it is funny that like when they get turned into their dark counterpart characters, they they go from being called lums to being called hoodlums, mm-hmm. which I think is that's really clever. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Like it's a, like a, you're, you're a hoodlum, you know, and that's uh, hence the title of the game, Hoodlum Havoc. Yeah, I thought uh, that was clever. That was um, a very like 3D platformer this era of charm, yeah. you know, which which was <clears> fine. And one other con I had to say about this game is. Um, again, friend of the show, Zaffer, big fan of Rayman. Uh, and, you know, he compared Rayman 2 to like an arcade game. And he felt that they were trying to really okay. push the adventure mode rather than the platforming aspects. And I totally agree. Mm. And that's kind of what took me out of this game a little bit was that I barely got to do any platforming. Like, I felt like I was just running around doing things and, and, and doing battles uh, with people and, and, and fighting enemies. Uh, yeah. I, I didn't really get that that charm of the platform that I, I associate Rayman with. And, you know, okay. there's nothing wrong with having an adventure game like Rayman 3. But the problem is, is that Rayman is just so synonymous with that great platforming um, aspects. Now, in 2003, not as much. You know, we only have two games before this and, and only one 3D game before this as well. Uh, but mm-hmm. now with Legends and Origins being so good, now uh, I think the popular sentiment uh, amongst fans is like Rayman is a 2D platformer game and that's where it lives. And so when you mm-hmm. go to this kind of Rayman adventure mode, 
uh, it loses a bit of this its luster. Yeah, it's a it's like a it's a relic of its time, really. Like just being adding all of these weapons to the game, and it needs to be gritty, and it need you know he needs to have arms that you know shoot cannons, and he needs to. As much as I said that I like that in the game, it, it is something that like at the time. We probably would love to go back and play a game that's all about 3D platforming, like a Mario game, like having your having your items taken away, and it's just about being skilled at, at jumping around on platforms. Where, yeah, I didn't really think about that. This game is more basically it's a it's a 3D brawler at the end of the yeah, day. Yeah. Um. We do have a couple other games to talk about that are more on the uh, the vein of platforming. This game though did uh, incorporate the Game Boy Advance uh, the Game Boy Advance cable. If you wanted to play uh, Rayman 3 with your Game Boy Advance game. Uh, if you hook up the Game Boy Advance version of Rayman 3, you unlock 2D Madness for the GameCube, a level inspired by the first Rayman game on the Game Boy Advance. Uh, a cube-shaped island becomes available, allowing you to download 10 extra levels. So that's kind of cool. <laughs> Basically cool. some DLC on Rayman 3 if you connect the Rayman 3 on Game Boy Advance to your GameCube. I, I love that idea. That is what a Game Boy Advance was for, for like with GameCube. Yeah. was just uh, like DLC. I never actually thought about it in that way, but it basically was like... <laughs> prepaid dlc if you had <laughs> had a game boy advance yeah an extra 2d levels is a uh, never never a bad thing in my book mm-hmm. but mike let's hit the back of the case for rayman 3 and then we will move on to i ninja now neil which case do you have because there are two very different cases there is mm. the north american case where we get angry rayman which is, oh, is of yeah. course the era of uh of angry things think of angry kirby and uh, the PAL cover is very different. It's uh, Rayman with a smirk instead, and he's mm. holding the um, the metal arm thing. Chains. Yeah. Now, I since we are we are of course in Canada, Mike. I have the I have the North American version, the one with Rayman about to punch you because he's he's punching towards the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the version that I'll be reading if that's okay. Sure. <laughs> okay. We don't read British cases here. I'm sure sometimes we do. <laughs> Ultimate powers, ultimate enemies, ultimate havoc. Rayman's bustin' loose. Rayman in prime form with high new tech powers and gear like shock rockets, the lockshaw, funky boards, and other cool stuff. Totally wicked enemies charge into intense strategic battles with the crazed hoodlum army and massive transforming bosses. A bizarre epic adventure plunge into enormous eye-popping worlds packed with zany comedy and a whacked-out cast featuring John Leguizamo as Globox. Funny that they didn't put Billy West on the back yeah. of the day. <laughs> Bursting with bonuses, play like a hero to unlock mini games and secret videos, or connect with your Game Boy Advance for exclusive bonuses. Yeah, they went with John Leguizamo, uh, who's the character of the big blue guy, as Globox, uh, who is a funny character. I like John in movies, but uh, yeah, I think Billy West was a bigger name at this time than him. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of interesting. And and one more thing about the box, you know, I love talking about designs and and all that. I thought it was interesting the Rayman PAL logo and the Rayman North American logo are completely different, like not even close. And this is just such a relic of a time when people were not, I guess, uh, worried about this. Uh, it's like, oh, no one's ever going to play a PAL version of this game. So because the Rayman uh, North American version is a big R with a kind of small text uh, for Rayman and the Rayman uh, PAL uh, logo, that one is basically what we see today for Rayman, all caps in that kind of arched, oh, yeah. uh, arched uh, way. And yeah, we see that a little different and modernized, obviously. But uh, yeah, uh, it's kind of interesting. Yeah, as a designer, Mike, do you have a do you have a preference? I like the all caps. The all one, caps personally. for sure. Yeah, it's way more. Yeah. The other one feels like almost soft. It feels strange and not um, symmetrical as well, which uh, you always want to have a little bit of symmetry. I get what they were going with. They were trying to make a silhouette of his head with his famous yeah. hair, I suppose. Kind of has your hair, 
Mike. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. you, have, you could be Rayman for Halloween this year. How about that? Cosplay as Rayman. <laughs> I will be. I will be the. Uh, what's the? Billy you can be Oh, Murphy. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll be Murphy. Yeah, I'll be Murphy for Halloween this year. That'll work out really well. <laughs> But Mike, let's move on to the next game of the day, which is iNinja. iNinja was released on December 4th, 2003, developed by Argonaut Games, published by Namco, priced today at around $50 on GameCube, but it's only $20 on PS2, which hurts my heart. It's also on Xbox, Windows. There was a Game Boy Advance game, which was announced, but then later canceled. Rates a 7.5 out of 10, and this is another 3D platformer. And I'm very sorry to our European fans, but this game was not released on GameCube in PAL regions. It was only available on Xbox and ps2 that is really sad that it did mm. not get released in europe because this is a really really good game neil my yep. god this is already i'm putting this as one of my best underrated gamecube gems ever 100 percent, 100 percent. i have to give my i i did not know anything about this game i i honestly thought it was a an ios game when you hear i ninja like terrible especially nowadays terrible now and now it is like pre-iphone era it made sense i suppose but it, it doesn't even really make sense playing the game either unfortunately and uh have to give a shout out to argonaut games this is probably one of their one of the best games they ever made we talked about them back on our bionicle episode uh they also co-developed the first Star Fox game so i guess they have to have to get a shout out for that too but they were kind of like the king of cartoon tie-in games other than thq from 1984 to 2004 when they were sold uh, and a bunch of the people that worked on Argonaut Games, I can't remember if we talked about this though, went on to found Rocksteady Studios, which oh. became wildly popular for developing Urban Chaos, uh, and of course the Arkham series. Yes. Oh my God. I did not know that actually. I don't think we have talked about that. That's yeah, really I, cool. I mean, so Argonaut Games, this was actually their last game, Neil. <laughs> oh, that's uh, not a bad last game though to go out on. Not a bad last game. They were going to make a second one. They filed for bankruptcy and uh, I guess yeah that's when they left to make Rocksteady which is it's cool that they had a second life in in that sense but uh, the reason I knew about iNinja was when we were doing this list uh, when we first started the podcast we listed every single game uh, iNinja came up when you were talking about it and I had no idea what it was as well and I mm -hmm. believe it must have been you who said oh this is a Don Bluth game yeah yeah that's right Don Bluth was the uh he was the cinematics director of the game, which I had to look up what that means. And the only way that I could find it was I looked up a job posting on EA's <laughs> website. And uh, a cinematic director oversees cinematics, in-level ambient and narrative events, ensuring content flows together into a cohesive player experience. Nice. So this is a Don Bluth production. Yeah, and of course, Don Bluth, <laughs> a, a very famous uh, animator. He did the Land Before Time series. He did... Um, uh, other things I'm blanking right now. Neil, name me some Don Bluth the, stuff. Like the Dragon's Lair, the Last Unicorn. There you go. Uh, he also did uh, uh, a lot of old... Uh, he, he worked on a lot of old Disney movies, too. Yes. Uh, basically, the dark Disney movies are the ones that he did. <laughs> yeah, and he's a fantastic animator and uh, really was in games and in game design very early on. You know, when... Mm -hmm. Video games were like, yeah, in this late 90s, uh, early 2000s, wasn't the big business as it is now. Um, Don Bluth had previously worked with Namco uh, on the Pac-Man World Games, and we discussed uh, this in our Pac-Man episode way back on episode 12. And um, I I'd like to talk mm -hmm. about those games again one day, but uh, he did a lot of really cool concept art and everything for it, too. Uh, and, mm -hmm. you know, great animator. And you can see with the cinematics for sure in iNinja uh, how he yeah. was involved in it. 
Definitely. We can talk about Pac-Man Versus right now even, because if you bought iNinja from EB Games back in the day, you were given a free copy of Pac-Man Versus as like a bonus with the game. So this was oh. like a free game tie-in with iNinja and Pac-Man Versus. That was one of the bundles, unofficially a bundle, not like a... Not like a Star Fox Guard with Star Fox Zero situation, but I, I love the idea of getting a free video game with the purchase of a video game. Obviously, that's never a bad thing, and <laughs> it hardly ever happens anymore. Even if it's like a small indie game or like a game that's old. Like the last time I can think of this happening was when I got uh, South Park, the Fractured Butthole. You also got a PS4 download code for the Stick of Truth, which was awesome. I played them both. Love those games. I think more video game publishers should do that. But anyway, here we are. So yeah, <laughs> makes sense. I guess, I guess that that's why those two games were tied together. There's that Don Bluth, uh, that Don Bluth connection. Yeah, and I mean, of course, Namco. They're both Namco published games. But uh, I also went on Reddit. Reddit's a great place when you're looking for specific things. Uh, went on Reddit <laughs> and I wanted to see what people said about iNinja and there's so many people who basically talked about it as this forgotten game underrated game uh talking about how smooth the controls were how the sword mechanics were super nice and fluent uh someone also said i always loved the strangely graphic dismemberant it had for a t game uh and not an m game not rayman m uh i distinctly remember the weird pacific rim boss battle and the massive uh, and the massive mech yeah. at the door at the end of the game that wouldn't open unless you aced all the levels i never found out what was actually behind that door so all the bosses in this game all the boss fights in this game are really good but uh yeah that review is really spot on with the pacific rim fight where you're in this giant mech and you fight against another giant like garden gnome thing and then you also fight against like a giant robot fish like a giant samurai head with spider legs yeah and then you fight the final boss at the very end who's his name is odor like you you're i ninja he's odor and he's <laughs> basically like bane but if bane was filled with like gas and he stunk and he, like they make a lot of fart jokes and everything honestly all of these character designs in this game are so classic like I, I can't believe they left this game at just one entry in the series it's really sad honestly like i i wish they did more with this but um to go into the i guess the plot of the game uh, again not really sure what's going on here it's a, it's a 3d platformer uh and you uh you are playing this ninja character and look who's back playing the ninja it's billy west neil I know. Yeah, Ninja, he's back as at second game of the day. I was so shocked when I saw his name again. And uh, D. Bradley Baker voices the sensei, who's also a very good character. Sorry, Obi-Wan Kenobi? Well. Does he voice Obi-Wan Kenobi in uh, The Clone Wars? Well, no, but he, this, he might as well be this monkey sensei. Ah, uh, yeah, okay, so you're just saying. Yeah, blue force ghost. He looks exactly, he's sat, <laughs> like, he basically is like <laughs> exactly like Obi-Wan in, uh, yeah. in Star Wars in A New Hope. But and, I love it. Yeah. I love it because he tries to be like Obi-Wan Kenobi and, and that's what they're trying to get at is yes. he's meant to be like this all-knowing force character that's meant to be very wise, but he, he actually is kind of a bit of an idiot. Like I yeah. love the dialogue that he has. I like, he tries to like say very, you know, phrases that are kind of like good life lessons, but he ends up just kind of tying them together. I have one here. He says like a stitch in time is worth two in the bush. And then like he disappears and that's it. Like there's every time he has a line, he ends it with something like that, where he just incorrectly ties together two phrases and it's, it's cheesy, but it's, it's really funny. It works really well. I laughed. I laughed at a lot of mm. parts while I was playing this. Like it was really, really fun. This was mm -hmm. a genuinely fun game to play today. Uh, yeah. the, I really want to actually buy it physically now. Like I'm going to be looking for this at every game store I go to because, Same. uh, it's a ton of fun. The mechanics are again, super, super smooth. And, uh, it's, 
it's very intuitive, and you don't see that a lot with a, a lot of these games from back in the day. Uh, most mm-hmm. games I play, uh, I end up having to look up like exactly what to do, how to, how things work. But everything was was very intuitive. Uh, I kind of knew it's like, oh, this is how you grapple. This is how you slash. Uh, the simplicity right. made it a lot of fun, I think. And it's funny because the next game we're going to be talking about, um, the simplicity kind of makes it not as fun. Uh, mm-hmm. Where this game, it, it brought out exactly what you want to do in a game. is just like slash people, uh, mm-hmm. find treasure, and then move on. And, and I, that's what I really loved about it. Yeah, they also added like a double jump and wall run and like rail grinding, which yeah. every 3D platformer had rail grinding. And you in were this a ball game, too. You could this be era. a ball. Yeah, you could be on that giant ball, which I'm not quite sure how he would roll around on that ball and not get crushed. I was kind of a little confused by that. <laughs> but you also have a grapple chain, which is really cool. Like I love when you're wall running and you can use the grapple chain to change directions of your wall run. Stuff like that. It was just really neat and make makes it one of the better 3D platformers of this generation, or yep. at least on the GameCube for sure. I can't believe I had missed this game so much. Like I think it's just because then the, honestly, it's the title of the game. It's just boring. Like it's not a good title. It tells you nothing. Like I, I, I yeah. it's so so strange. And there's not even like an advertisement of saying like you know, t- developed by Don Bluth or, or like you know production by Don Bluth. Like that could have been a selling point or like uh, put in stuff with like a Pac Man. Uh, bundle on those i don't know there's there's so many more things that they could have done with this uh and i i find it strange it's almost like namco had this idea or like someone at namco had this idea and namco was like okay we'll give you this much money to do it but like Mm -hmm. we're not going to help you out with anything else and they you know they did a great job like it looks fantastic still um it, it plays well like i said uh, and it, and the, the violence is really, really funny and, and very, yeah. str- very strange to see. Like this is a T rated 3d platformer. Can you think of any game ever? That's a T rated 3d platformer. Uh, the only one that comes to mind right away is Conker's Bad Fur Day. Sure, that one yeah. might be T or M. M that's that's an M rated. the only one. Yeah. Is it M rated? Yes, that one comes to my mind right away. But it starts off incredibly dark too, where like we talk about your sensei dying. He dies by your hand. You cut his head off. Yeah, I know. He, he's dismembered <laughs> by this eye ninja. He becomes Rayman. Yeah. He loses limbs. <laughs> that's right. He, he loses the most important limb of them all. Uh, but yeah, like you get possessed by the... By the rage stone, uh, obviously makes you rageful, but you you cut off your own sensei's head, and he doesn't seem at all mad at you for that ever. Which I, very forgiving soul, I guess that's why he became a force ghost is because he's a he's a Jedi and does not know rage. But yeah, like just that alone, and you see like his head, you know, rolling away and everything. Like it, it's and it looks like from the cover, like it would be a 3D kids platforming game because yeah. every character on a 3D platformer from this era looks aggressive and they're throwing something at the case or something and that's why it just it looks like every other 3D platformer from this generation it's an angry protagonist on the front with whatever the special weapon is and and that's it i think that they could have made something way more interesting something like when we saw like uh the Don Bluth game Dragon's Lair yes which was that was just a 3D render of of the characters but even if it was something like that where it was I ninja fighting against like the first boss in the game alone might be kind of cool but something else like just him fighting another enemy or something i just think that they could have done way more with with the case and it's and a small name. small gripe but still and the name uh small gripe but still like i think that this is definitely something that that i'm going to be looking for and i think I, we have seen it at retro video game stores it's just it's always under the glass because yeah. this is a rare game and it's it's getting pricey yeah it's getting pricey and the the, the last things i just want to say about uh, this game one positive and one negative. The positive is the sound. And I always like to talk about sound ah. because sound is a big thing. It's a big part of a video game and you don't really 
realize it until you're actually playing older games because there are a lot of older games that are fun but have very very compressed sound and this is an example of a game that has fantastic sound mixing really really Mm -hmm. well done uh everything is super clear uh the the slashes are great the guys are uh are are really fun too like uh, it it got me really into the game uh, which i i always enjoy and my con, my my negative thing, I would say, is the plot. Uh, is it, like, there's a lot of funny parts, but I don't know for like a game that Don Bluth was involved in, I would have expected something a little better. Um, like yeah. it is a relatively short game, so there's not a lot of stuff to explore in that sense. But it would have been cool if they really, I don't know, if they they did the characterization a little better with the ninja, uh, mm-hmm. and made it some something that could have been like almost like a mascot for for Namco. Instead of this, yeah, yeah like you said, just this bad, uh, terrible named, and the, the box wasn't anything to write home about either. I don't really fault Don Bluth for that. Oh, I don't. I don't. I'm, the, I'm yeah. faulting Namco for not using oh, Don Bluth. You know, you, you know. Yeah, what I mean? creative expertise a little bit more. Yeah. but again, he was like he was like 150 years old by the time this game came out. So who knows? What, <laughs> I think he was like that 50. Old, but... <laughs> 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 That's old in game dev years, but I yes. can definitely I can see what you're saying. Honestly, like it, it feels more like a South Park game more than anything. Just like the the kid with his head covered up and he's got a bit of a that kind of raspy, snappy voice. Like it just feels like yeah. it could be a like one of those types fry. of games. Or he's fry basically, <laughs> which is true. It is kind of the same vein, but anyway. Let's hit the back of the case for iNinja, and we'll cover the last game of the day. Mm-hmm. He might be small, but he's one angry ninja. Despite his size, Ninja is the consummate warrior who has spent years mastering his weapons and honing his skills, challenged by the world's most wicked villain, Master Odor, and his menacing army of ranks. Ninja is graceful in honor and deadly in combat. With extreme agility, he traverses unknown environments and conquers all that is evil. There is no challenge too big or risk too great for Ninja. And his name is Ninja. Like, come on, yeah. guys. And Sensei's <laughs> name is Sensei. I, I know. know. It's, yeah, they could have gotten a little bit more creative with it, but uh, they couldn't because uh, Argonaut Games got shut down after the game was released. And we didn't get a sequel, and Don Bluth actually did designs, and he did concept mm-hmm. art for the next game. Uh, I, I will post that for Did You Know? Um, yeah. And because they are really cool. They're cool to see, similar to the, the Pac-Man art style, because I love, I love seeing concept art like that. Uh, very cool. Oh, yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. And Namco has so much money nowadays with the Dark Souls and yeah. everything else that they've been doing. Dude, so make th- this again. Let's oh, go. Yeah, exactly. Bandai Namco, get off your ass here. But let's talk about the last game of the day here, which was Scalar, released on November 17th, 2004, also known as Scalar, the shape-shifting chameleon in other regions. This game was developed by Artificial Mind and Movement. They're also responsible for The Italian Job and Serious Sam, two games that we've already covered. Nowadays, they're known as Behavior Interactive, published by Global Star Software, priced today at around $50. This game is also on PS2 and Xbox, rates a 7 out of 10. It's another 3D platformer. Mike, according to the VG sales charts, this game only sold about 50,000 units on GameCube is what was uh, what was predicted, and about twice as well on PS2. So this game was a commercial flop. Have you ever seen this game? I was going to ask you this. Have you ever seen this game anywhere on shelves? I've never seen PS2, it. PS2, yes, I have. I've okay. definitely seen this on uh, on shelves on PS2. On GameCube, I, I don't think so. But, no. like, if I do see Scalar, like, I just, I skip it. Like, I don't, I don't care. <laughs> no, yeah, because, uh, <laughs> what is it, right? They, they, uh, that right. was one of the things I, when I 
first saw this game or heard of this game, I thought it might have been like a Frogger clone or something. Right. I, I honestly exactly. didn't know. Not a great title. Another not great title uh, yeah. for a platformer. Uh, but it was made, you said, Artificial Mind and Movement created this, and they are now Behavior, and they used to be Behavior. They changed to uh, A2M, and... They were only A2M for a while because the staff actually requested to change back to behavior for a long time uh, because uh, A2M is basically like ass to mouth. And so they're like, oh, we really no. don't want to be ass to mouth, the mouth development. <laughs> could, we, could we not do that? Oh, that's too bad. But uh, Behavior Interactive is actually pretty I, I guess they're fairly well known. Like they they make some pretty decent games. Like they do the Warhammer games nowadays, the PC Warhammer Forty Thousand. They also still do a lot of like movie tie-in, cartoon tie-in Sweet games. They made the Cody games. <laughs> Cody. They made the Peanuts movie back in twenty fifteen, ah. which I think is actually a pretty good two D platformer. Yeah. So yeah. they did Dead by Death, Dead by Daylight, which is I, I don't yeah. know if that game was well received, but it was a lo- on a lot of consoles. Yeah. So. They still make pretty good games. Their most recent one came out in 2020, so they do good stuff. And Scalar, like, not a terrible-looking game. It's just another fairly generic platformer. Yeah, that is that is the uh, the word of the day for Scalar. It's going to be generic mm-hmm. platformer and simple, and that's not, you know, that's not a bad thing, uh, oh. uh, first of all. It's, it's, it, it was tough to stand out in, as we said earlier, a very saturated market of so many 3D platformers at this point. And especially with mm-hmm. a character that, you know, most people probably thought was Spyro related, just like a purple right. Spyro or a, a blue Spyro. Um, mm-hmm. it, it was definitely hard to, to stand out, but uh, it's a simple game. It, it plays well. I did play it. And uh, let me let me talk about the plot a little bit, Neil, because uh, I haven't done sure. the other plots that that well justice or that much justice. So okay, yeah, please hit us with the plot of Scalar because I'm sure it's deep. <laughs> we have uh, we got Bobby Jenkins, good old Bobby Jenkins. Yeah, that mm, that is his him. name. Um, mm-hmm. He he's a big lizard enthusiast. Uh, and uh, what's that? What's that show? It's a cartoon show where uh, there was like a a guy who was a big fan of. Is it Ned the Newt? Ned Ned's Newt. Is that it's Newt? Is that a? I don't remember. I don't remember that. Is it a cartoon? Yeah, hold on. It's Newt. It's Newt. Okay. Yes, it is. Oh my god, I'm good. Good job. Ned's Newt. Go. Uh, yeah, Ned's Newt. he was the super bald guy. You might look it up, Neil. You might remember this. Yeah, okay. uh, he looks like Caillou. Uh, oh mixed, my god. Mixed with, <laughs> mixed with number one from Code Name Kids Next Door. It was, I guess, yeah. a Canadian show because it was Nelvana who made it. Uh, he looks like Mickey Mouse with no black ears. <laughs> That's actually true. So this is the first thing I thought of because he's really obsessed with lizards and stuff. And uh, oh, so that's uh, – so Ned from Ned's New is in this game. Uh, or it could be one of the other kids in Magic School Bus. I don't know. Uh, but yeah. uh, uh, he's got like Yugi, Yugi-like hair or like Goku yep. when he's Super Saiyan. It's just like mm-hmm. blonde and super spiked up. Very spiky. Um, yes. And he transforms, of course, into uh, Scalar. Which is, uh, I guess, his his uh, alter ego, mm-hmm. and he uh, when he gets transformed, he uh, wakes up in this like lizard reality. Also, the an aside uh, sidebar: the blue uh, the blue skin tone immediately made me think of not Avatar, but Monster by Mistake. Yeah, Monster by Mistake, or <laughs> Newt, Ned's Newt, which is also he's got a blue Newt as his friend. That's, so there you go. See another tie-in to Ned's Newt. Yep. The, that this is the 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 LCU, the Lizard Cinematic <laughs> Universe. <laughs> but that's, uh, that's a level of furries I don't want to get into. <laughs> but yeah, that's basically the plot, and you're going through um, the game to, uh, I guess, collect these twenty eggs. 
Uh, think of the eggs like stars in in Super Mario. Think of the eggs uh, as stars in Mario 64. It's uh, there's only 20 of those instead of 120, so a uh, little bit shorter. And uh, I will say, uh, we I said this is a simple generic platformer for the most part, but the levels are beautiful. Like they look I was gonna really, say really, really, really good. Yeah, as generic as this game is in terms of its gameplay mechanics and its platforming and its combat, the level design itself and character design is beautiful. I couldn't yeah. like find anything wrong with any of it really and it really just made me think like what a waste. Like it yeah. this could have been such a good tie-in to even like I was like you could have made the Gungans cool with this game, like just making it like a <laughs> oh. Gungan tie-in game or even actually what I thought first I was like, "Oh, this is straight up like Monsters Inc." Like you're yes. you're jumping between dimensions, you're playing as basically like Randall from from Monsters Inc is kind of like what Scalar is. I think that it could have been a way better tie into that movie than whatever it was Scream Arena that we got. Well, it's the I, dodgeball sim. I think A2M actually did Monsters Inc. If I'm not uh, mistaken. See, why didn't they just do this? Like this would have been so much cooler. And instead of your character transforming into different kind of lizards with abilities, you could have just had different monsters from Monsters Inc. Yep. I think it could have been way cooler. And they even had really good uh, rail grinding. Uh, segments in the game which are honestly better than most of the games that we've talked about today and even the franchise that made it cool which is uh ratchet and clank i think these rail grinding levels are actually way more dynamic way more fun way faster like you could have made that something cool tied in with the the doors being moved around in the monsters inc uh <laughs> warehouse thing from the movie yeah. like just just watching all the levels and and like all the characters and the boss fights, I was like, man, this could have been such a cool tie-in with something that already existed. It's too bad that Scalar couldn't have become a bigger franchise, and it probably would have had it come out in the mid-90s, but being a mid-2000s game, it had no chance of, of catching the wave anymore. It just It's really too bad because, yeah, you're absolutely right. It doesn't make sense to make a new character, new world, and everything like this uh, for this lizard in 2003. Like, it's... Uh, it just doesn't yeah. feel right at all. Like you're you're so saturated. Why do you need this another 3D platformer like this that is relatively generic? Uh, mm-hmm. It just it doesn't make sense. Uh, I'm not sure why they did this and why they didn't try and work off a licensed property or something. But uh, maybe they you know mm-hmm. who knows? Maybe they did. Maybe they were going to work on the Spyro games and and that fell through because mm-hmm. uh, it definitely I I got a big Spyro feel while I was playing this yeah. for sure on the the non. I guess the non-rail and like platforming levels, like or areas, uh, mm-hmm. especially like the adventure style, felt like that a lot. Uh, yep. You mentioned the the rails and and going down on them. That they were fun, especially at like closer to the end of the game. This is a very short mm. game, by the way. You can yeah, beat it's like five pretty, hours. Yeah, you can beat this pretty fast. Um, yeah. And yeah, it, it gets really fun near the end because there's just a lot more going on at the beginning of the game. The rails are just pretty standard you're not doing much interact like interactive stuff to it uh but as it goes on then you're you're doing a lot of jumps you're having to almost like it feels like a rhythm game in some points right you have to really (laughs) hit the hit the jumps and hit the um any enemies or obstacles at the 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 perfect uh the perfect time so yeah in that sense it made it more unique than a lot of other platformers that i've seen but it still used the the generic and simple kind of controls that most of them had at this time it did, and it also incorporated the transformation mechanic that was pretty popular from the Banjo-Tooie game, uh, where your character could transform into five different kind of uh, reptiles with different mm-hmm. abilities. You had the Bakudan, which is a tiny bomb-toting reptile, who's kind of neat. Yep. I like his ability to bowl bombs at people. I think that's super funny. You've got Croc, who's a spiky rolling armored sphere, so kind of like uh, basically Sonic. You've got Doozum, who's a flying dolphin lizard with sonar attacks. 
Uh, so we got Echo the Dolphin here. Uh, you got Fruzard, a reptile with the ability to snipe from a distance. And then you've got Zoom, or Swoom, a penguin-like lizard adapted to swim. So you've got five different lizards there, and if the character Scalar sounds familiar to you, it's probably because you recognize his voice from Critical Role. The character is voiced by Matt Mercer, who's a very, very well-known American voice actor, known for his role on several video games, cartoons, anime, and movies, uh, specifically like Attack on Titan and Naruto. Scalar was actually his first video game appearance. He's also uh, Luke Skywalker in Battlefront 2, the 2017 game as well as dozens of other video game roles. I'm not going to list them all here, but uh, I would say his most famous work is if you're if you're a YouTuber, you know that he's the dungeon master in the popular YouTube series Critical Role. Oh. So that's where yeah. he got his start in video games. So pretty neat. Very cool. Very, very cool. It's always nice to mm-hmm. see that. But yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, camouflage. So because you are a chameleon, I guess... <laughs> hard to say what like actual lizard you are um but all of them all of them yeah honestly <laughs> yeah. uh you do have the camouflage aspect so that was a cool uh little thing that they put in there uh and in terms of combat you had the standard kind of three hit combo like a like a mario um style but the one that i used by far the most was a tongue whip uh, uh yes and that's just like yeah you have a long tongue you're just constantly pl- uh, uh picking people off with it uh, yeah, it's it's very fun. It's way faster, and it made the game honestly a lot easier in that sense. Basically, it's like a sword jab that you're using at other at other characters. Which, yeah, that's probably the most useful one by far. I still like the bomb wielding lizard. I think that would be super fun to just roll bombs at people. <laughs> I just like how the character is kind of like this rubbery like gecko. Basically, like he's not like a stiff, rigid character like we've seen in the past. And like Banjo Kazooie is a little bit kind of. He's big, he's hunking. Even Mario, to a point, is mm-hmm. a little bit stiff. This character just feels like he's made of, like, melting rubber at all <gasps> times. Like, you feel like he could fit through, a, like, a hole the size of a penny if he wanted to. I, I like that idea. I think that'd be yeah. super fun to try and explore later. But like iNinja, this was the only game in the series that uh, that we ever got. Unfortunately, yeah. It's it's too bad that we didn't expand on this because this is a really good first entry. You know, it's not a great mm-hmm. game, but it's a very good game and does everything well. You know, there are a couple mm-hmm. of cons. I'd say the the biggest cons would just be the bosses themselves. Um okay. there's not a lot of innovation with them and honestly, some of them are just really hard. Like the difficulty scaling yeah. in this game is is kind of dumb because your normal gameplay is very easy and then all of a sudden you fight these bosses that are insanely hard all of a sudden. So right. That was probably one of my biggest cons. Yeah, the one specifically that comes to mind for me is the the one boss that you have to fight while flying. Like most of the bosses are just an on foot standard. You fight them in a ring basically, but there's one boss that you fly and you have to shoot at them and their health depletes very slowly. It's a very long boss fight. And mm. if you make the smallest mistake, you die and you have to start again. And <sighs> the whole thing is, is just basic. You know, you have to shoot the targets on the boss while they're throwing projectiles at you and and your health goes down way faster than theirs. And it's that I think that's the one that most people said was like the rage quit controller throwing moment for them. So yeah, the bosses themselves though are like I Ninja. Like they're very, I think they're very interesting and like huge. I love big boss fights. This does that pretty well, but yeah, they are way harder than like the rest <laughs> of the levels were. Yeah, no, definitely. And I, uh, before we read the back of the case, I do want to give a shout out to Nitro Rad, who is a great uh, mm-hmm. YouTuber, Canadian. A YouTuber as well. Always good to see yep. some CanCon. And he puts out a ton of videos about platformers. He, I think, has a video for every single one of these games. Uh, yeah. And uh, I used him for some of my research as well because he's great to to uh, kind of summarize some of the games as well. Uh, but he 
found a really cool thing with Scalar, even though I did play it myself, uh, something I wouldn't have been able to find because I don't have the physical copy, is the instruction manual for the game, yes. which is absolutely fantastic. It's basically like a, a full guide to mm-hmm. the enemies and items in Scalar, and it's it's full color as well, Neil. There's yeah. full color yeah. pages in this guide, which I don't think I've ever seen. Yeah, it's a full art book that has like not just the enemies too, like even the items, like the eggs all yeah. have their own, and they're all they look like they're hand painted, hand drawn. Really I know nice. the video you're talking about. I watched it as well. I love Nitro Rad. He's way bigger than we are. Obviously, he does not listen to this podcast, but I love to watch his stuff because he, I think he owns pretty much every 3D platformer there is, and he's he's gone very deep into all of them. So definitely go check out his content uh, if you don't know who that is already, uh, because yeah, he he reviews Scalar very well, and that that. Manual. I would ha- if I was gonna buy Scalar, it would have to be with the art book. I would oh, not yeah. buy it with no manual. Definitely not. And man, it just makes me miss manuals even more. Yeah, it just was so cool when I saw that. I had to like do a double take because, and then I mm-hmm. looked at some of the games that I own, and yeah, they're all black and white inside. Uh, yep. The, you know, you got the color front, but the, a publisher wouldn't bother printing full color pages in these uh, hundreds of thousands of manuals. It's just like okay, it's whatever. Just throw it in here. Well, for Scalar, it was tens of thousands of manuals, so <laughs> yes. it's it a little bit easier. Very true. But with that, let's hit the back of the case of Scalar, and we'll move on to our closing thoughts. Mike, don't 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 think about this the wrong way. Give your enemies a tongue lashing; they will never forget. <laughs> oh God! Wow. Wisecracking twelve-year-old Bobby Jenkins has stumbled upon his evil next-door neighbor's plot to use a mutant lizard army to destroy the world. Caught, Bobby is zapped by a bizarre bolt of energy and transformed into his shape-shifting alter ego, Scalar. With no way to call for backup, Scalar has to defeat all of his enemies or risk spending the rest of his life in reptile exile. That rhymes. I like it. <laughs> yeah, me too. I like that it's his neighbor too. Like your neighbor's just like trying to summon this force of of lizard. An, a lizard army to destroy the world. Very wacky. Yeah, the plot. It's a. You know, it's, it's a plot. It's a plot. It's a plot. It's a 3D platformer plot. It's serviceable. But Mike, from the four games that we talked about today, are there any that you would suggest the listeners out there pick up, or a game that you're specifically looking for? I think I Ninja is the the easy pick here for sure for yeah. GameCube games. Like this game is fantastic. It's really really fun to play. I would highly recommend checking it out because I think. More so because there's obviously a lot of good games that we talk about on this podcast, but not all of them are that unique. You know, most of the time we end up talking about a really good game, but uh, one of our synopsises for it will be like, well, it's a good game, but you can probably buy a better version of this game uh, on a different platform or, Mm -hmm. you know, a different version of the game was made. Like Rayman is a perfect example. Rayman Legends is basically what you should be playing. Like, I think that's like a great, great Rayman game uh, better than Rayman 3 and Rayman Arena. Of course, these are good games, but uh, I would, if you're interested in Rayman, I would recommend Rayman Legends or Origins, where iNinja, that's it. It's just iNinja, and right. there's nothing else, and it's a T-rated uh, a 3D platformer on the GameCube, and it's very unique in that sense, so that's why I would highly recommend it. Yeah, everything you just said is basically what I would say. Like, I Ninja is the game that I'm looking for. I would suggest, like, people out there try and check it out. Find it at a good price if you can. Uh, check out some reviews because it is it is a the definition of a hidden gem and one that I don't hear enough people 
talking about you only still to this day i still only hear people talking about metroid and re4 <laughs> and super mario sunshine i'm getting really tired of those lists i just want to see <laughs> games like i ninja pop up every every now and again mm. so yeah really excited to, to play that game and i want to try and beat that game too once i eventually find it i don't think it's that hard of a game to find so looking forward to hunting that one down and yeah if you're looking for a rayman game check out the newer ones origins and legends are must plays in my opinion especially if you're a 2d platforming fan and that brings me to what we think the future of these series serieses are and which ones we want to come back. I think Rayman will definitely come back. Ubisoft, uh, they seem to have a way of kind of putting Rayman aside and then bringing him back out again later. I, I kind of like the idea of waiting maybe another two or three years and then getting... Maybe a, maybe they go back to 3D Rayman. I think that a 3D mm-hmm. Rayman game would be really cool to go back to now, give 2D a bit of a break. Uh, I, I think that that's kind of a slam dunk uh, prediction at some point. I really want to see iNinja come back for iNinja 2, though. I think that oh, that's yeah. something that has to happen. That Namco, get off your ass. Please give us iNinja 2. What about you, Mike? Yeah, I, I would mostly agree with that. I think Rayman, we, we might not see a new Rayman game, but we will definitely see a Rayman collection. Uh, I think for the Switch, probably within the next couple of years. Like, we did get the Rayman uh, Origins, or, yeah, no, Rayman Legends Deluxe on the Switch when uh, the Switch right. came out in 2017. So I'm sure we will get a 1, 2, 3 collection at some point uh, in some way, or maybe a Rayman 2D collection. Who knows? But I can I can definitely see uh, that happening in the future. And hopefully we would get a new Rayman game, and it probably would be... 3d i would assume may you know i think a lot of i think a lot of publishers are going to be seeing how the new crash game did as well as the new Ratchet and clank game uh in terms of sales i think those games will uh basically show other developers and publishers to say like okay we can actually make these games again or are we just going to make kind of remakes and remasters so should be interesting I feel like that's a silly thing for developers and publishers to do I because, know. like, the the good 3D platforming games, the 3D platforming fans, like like you and I and like Nitro Rat, we'll find them, like we'll play them, and I don't think that like I think waiting to see if a 3D platformer sells, you know, tens of millions of copies is like you're chasing like fool's gold at that point. Like I they're agree. not going to, like you're never going to get like a Mario 64 again. Like you get Mario games, I suppose those still sell really well, but even the 3D Mario games don't sell nearly as well as the 2D Mario games do. I know Odyssey did sell well. That's a bit of an outlier there, but uh, I think that if you put out a good 3D platforming game, like it's gonna, it's going to do well. Like the fans are going to find it. But if you put out a game like that ukulele game that came out a few years ago, or mm. Balance Wonderland that came out last year, like no, like that's not going to sell well. If you put out a quality 3D platforming game, you really have nothing to worry about. Like kids are, people are gonna buy it for their kids. Kids are gonna want it, and adult you know man babies like us are also going to want it so yeah yeah uh, i would i would love for someone to bring back i ninja and even scalar to come back to to a certain extent i think i think could do well but anyway no one's going to know the name scalar so they're going to have to do a lot of marketing behind it <laughs> <laughs> yeah scalar i think is dead i ninja you know could be dead but i'm going to hold out hope for i ninja too yeah, yeah, that that's a long shot for sure. But Mike, while we're waiting for iNinja Two to come to our our iPhones or whatever, uh, why don't let the listeners know what they can expect next week on episode ninety nine of the GameCube Was Cool podcast? On episode ninety nine for the ninety ninth anniversary of Disney, we're going to be talking about Disney games on the GameCube, and there's quite a few exclusive Disney games that came to the Cube. Uh, it was a very interesting time for Disney. Uh, they were not doing well. They did have a lot of partnerships, and one of them was with Nintendo. And unfortunately, Neil, we talked about some great games this week, but mm-hmm. next week, uh, these games are mostly bad. Mostly bad, and they're Disney games based on the 
Disney, I don't know what to call them, like the Disney the characters. OGs. The Mickey, The OGs, the Mickey Mouses, the, du- the Goofies, the Donalds, the Plutos, all those guys. It's all of the, like, the OG Disney family character games. Nothing based on the classic Disney films of our time, like Toy Story and Tarzan. It's the games based on the characters that I don't know why anybody still cares about, but nostalgia is a very strong... Mortimer, Mortimer. Nah. Mortimer Mouse, where the hell is he? Bring him out of the dungeons, Disney. We know you have him somewhere. Mortimer Mouse. Oh, poor guy. But, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to episode 98 of the GameCube is Cool podcast. New episode every Thursday on all the major podcast services. Leave us a rating and a review so we can make the show better. You can support the show by going to patreon.com forward slash the GameCube is Cool. All patrons get the show ad-free and a little early. Thank you so much to everybody over there. You can follow us for free on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, and you can now join the weekly conversation on our Discord channel. Just search The GameCube Was Cool. Share us with your friends and family. Tell Billy West, Mike says hi. Thank you so much for the support, and we will see you next week. See you later. Bye-bye. GameCube. Over 600 games you've never heard of. GameCube. The product of what happens when you think inside the box. Raymond doesn't have a catchphrase. I don't. Uh, Raymond? I was like, what? Yeah, well, I was like, what does he say? I don't... <laughs> uh, I, I don't think he's got a catchphrase at all. That's I why. Hate... That's why he doesn't exist anymore. It's a me, Raymond. Yeah. <laughs> is he Italian? What, what do you think his nationality is? Could be Italian. It's a New York Italian. We'll go with that. Well, he's French because Ubisoft. That's fair. Yeah, Ubisoft is so French. <laughs>